This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly podcast, you will get the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, and baseball from HOL's Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Dan Hoppen, Nate Klaus, and Greg Peterson. Now, here's your host, HuskerOnline.com publisher, Sean Callahan. Well, Husker fans, you wanted commits, and Mike Riley delivers. It's been a very busy week in Husker recruiting as the coaches are in the May evaluation period. Welcome to this edition of the Husker Online Podcast. It's our special edition around the St. Louis RCS camp uh, throughout the program. You're going to hear a number of different interviews. We've kind of changed the format this week. Uh, We caught up with the Big Ten Network's Howard Griffin. He was in St. Louis for our rivals camp this past week. Uh, His son Houston is a rising 2019 prospect uh, from the Chicago area, a freshman right now down there with the Division One offers. We also talked with Mike Farrell, and then we'll have another segment in the show later on introducing our latest staff member, Brian Munson. But let's get down to business first, guys. Uh, I'm going to bring in Nate Klaus. Um, Nebraska was kind of in a commit drought, Nate. You, you look at uh, how long it has been uh, really uh, for these commits, and um, Nebraska had gone several months, and then they got two in the matter of 24 hours junior college linebacker William Johnson out of Arizona Western the same junior college that produced Randy Gregory and then they got the quarterback and this was uh, the one that you always want to get uh, around this time of year Nate and Terry Wilson at Adele City Oklahoma and two big commitments for Nebraska two players of, of need uh, and, and you said uh, you know you always want to get that quarterback in the class and and usually that quarterback is a guy that you can really build your recruiting class around and uh, you know they had, they had done they've been very deliberate and, and slow in their evaluations uh, uh, Danny Langsdorf went down to Dell City Oklahoma watched Terry Wilson throw and a couple of days later you know decided that they were going to go ahead and offer and uh, and he's an exciting you know prospect when you look at his arm strength and the, the tools that he has um, I mean he can make all the throws within Langsdorf and Riley's system um, you know and he's a tremendous athlete by all accounts he's a tremendous leader uh, pretty much all the I mean everything you look for in a quarterback now he's not a you know not a, a finished product yet uh, but uh, he, he's very intriguing prospect you know Nate what's interesting to me is when when Mike Riley got here I think we all thought that they were going to go after the traditional drop back kind of country club style quarterback uh, that gets the high level two religion and they did early on and and Eason and Brandon Peters well uh, you look at Wilson, and, and it's a completely different type of quarterback, uh, a different type of quarterback that Mike Riley's ever had in his time at Oregon State. Uh, what does this tell you about maybe how they're evolving and in what direction they want to go with the quarterback position? Well, I think after working with uh, with the, the quarterbacks that are currently on the roster, going through spring ball with guys like Tommy Armstrong, uh, maybe that opened their mind a little bit to, to looking at more athletic quarterbacks. But a guy like Terry Wilson um, – what I love about him is, I mean, he's first and foremost, he's a tremendous athlete. He's a 22-1 in the open 200 meters. Uh, and the kid can flat out run. He, he's he's fast. But when you watch the film, um, you know, even though he's labeled as a dual threat quarterback, he is definitely a pass first guy. He, he's got a strong arm. Um, and uh, he's always, you know, extending the play with his feet, using his athleticism. But he's never that type of guy that's going to immediately pull the ball and, and run and use his legs to, to you know, 
try and move the markers. So uh, that's what I like about him. But you know, if all things are equal, when you're looking at a quarterback and he has the qualities that you're that you're wanting, um, I think that athleticism is kind of the trump card, and that what's, that's what Terry Wilson brings to the table. In another 500 mile radius commit. Of the five current players committed, four of them are in the 500-mile radius. And I would say the the next group of likely guys to commit are also 500-mile radius. And, and that's really, Nate, how it should be. You look at other names that are maybe close to being maybe a summer committed. JoJo Dolman, we all feel good about Matt Farniak. Now, that might get drug out longer and longer. Uh, but he's still a Sioux Falls kid that you, you hope Nebraska has a good shot at. Xavier Kelly out of Wichita. Um, Isaiah Simmons out of Olathe, he's kind of a hard one to read, has not taken any visits. But, you know, those are some other guys that, you know, I have my eyes on as 500-mile radiuses. And uh, Terry Wilson being one of those, um, you know, I just think that that's how you have to start a class at Nebraska. Absolutely. The, the body of your class every year, in my opinion, should be comprised mostly of, of guys within the 500-mile radius, guys within the, those bordering states, um, you know, players that you're you're beating out other Big Ten teams for, so you're not playing against those guys. Car ride guys. Exactly. Uh, you want guys that, that can get on campus uh, easily uh, within the region, and uh, you want to try to try to put up a fence and, and get the best guys in the region, and so far, Nebraska's done a great job of doing that. You're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan and A. Klaus were talking about the big news this week as Nebraska landed. Two commits ending a drought, and these are the first two commitments Mike Riley has gotten himself for the 2016 class, Nate, I want to bring up William Johnson, the junior college linebacker out of Arizona Western, 6'3", 225. Um, you know, Nebraska is also really targeting Chris Bacchus uh, out of Oklahoma, another junior college linebacker. Does that affect his status? Would they take two JUCO linebackers? I think it's possible that they could take two JUCO linebackers, but uh, at this point in time, I don't know that it, that it's a, a necessity. I, I think ideally they would only bring in one, and, and William Johnson is that guy right now. And, and what's interesting about William Johnson is he's you said it. He's 6'3", 225, 230 pounds, and the kid can flat out run. And, and I think that he's athletic enough to, to be able to project at a couple different positions and, and come in and fill a need. You know, he's going to be a two-for-two guy. Uh, will be a, a, a December uh, transfer. So, I mean, he's an exciting exciting prospect and he really fits everything that Trent Bray and uh, Mark Banker have been saying that they want out of this defense they want guys who can run and guys that can be disruptive and and are always around the football and that's exactly what William Johnson is and just about what two weeks left on the road after this week Nate I mean will they they kind of wrap it up at Memorial Day when most kids will be done with school by that point that's what I'm expecting to happen uh, you know two weeks left on the road guys are uh, making return visits um, you know seeing some of their top guys you know one last time before the evaluation evaluation period ends like I know uh, uh, Mike Cavanaugh has, has been through to see a guy like Matt Farniak twice now um, but uh, and we're going to see a late push with a number of the the you know top targets on their board but yeah I'd and hopefully them. in-state gets a little bit of a push here because it, that's kind of the elephant in the room those in-state coaches are kind of wondering when is Nebraska going to get here and, and check us out a little bit yeah my theory is, is that they're going to uh, maybe spend that last week really really spending a lot of time with the in-state you know coaches kind of uh, going through the state so we'll see exactly how that plays out but I definitely think that uh, you know the, the the one last sweep through uh, the state will be be coming here shortly 
Well, that wraps it up here in our recruiting segment here. Nate, stick around. We'll bring Nate back in, and we'll talk more about the St. Louis Rivals camp in our final segment of the show. But next, we'll introduce our latest and newest staff member to Husker Online and Rivals.com, Brian Munson. You're listening here to the HOL Podcast. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Welcome back to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Sean Callahan here with a special edition of the RCS uh, event here in St. Louis, O'Fallon, Illinois area. As we put a wrap on the day, uh, we're pleased to welcome in the latest member of the Rivals.com and now Husker Online team, Brian Munson. He's been covering Nebraska recruiting in depth uh, for, for the last 15 plus years. And we're, we're pleased, Brian, first of all, to, to have you on board here. I know you were with Rivals years ago and it's great to have you back. It's great to be back, sunburn included. Um, got that today out there in the field, but that was an excellent way to break me in back into the way that things are now with Rivals. The, the setup that you guys have with this summer camp series is a, such a huge advantage of going out there and getting in touch with the kids that you guys that were, cover, were covering and were calling these guys daily. Uh, I, I just and I thought it was such a tremendous turnout, particularly by the kids that were from from the state of Nebraska. Yeah, what just in your perspective, how beneficial is it to get? maybe 13 of the best Nebraska kids and the Kansas City kids and the St. Louis kids all in one place like this? It's huge because if you think about the emphasis of Mike Riley and, and, and his staff and the message that they want to go out there and they want to be active in the radius, they want to go out there and grab kids from the radius. You start talking about now a kid like JoJo Doman from out there in Denver uh, and, and what they're doing across the state of Nebraska all the way through Kansas City uh, and, and getting kids from St. Louis uh, as well to come out there. I, I thought it was such... Um, a great gathering of talent uh, and it was not just the kids that we're talking about this year we were talking about you know a kid from 2018 might have been one of the best players there in, in, in the group it was amazing to to really see the all the kids out there and the effort that everybody was given the bloody noses uh, people walking off toenails falling off a of kid's feet uh, they really went out there and put forth a great effort on a hot day here in St. Louis. We're joined by Brian Munson, the latest member of the Husker Online and Rivals.com team here. As we put a wrap on the Rivals Camp Series event in St. Louis here in the special edition of the HOL podcast. And Brian, we mentioned the in-state kids and you are able to see really 13 of the top 15 kids maybe in Nebraska in one place. Who were a couple names uh, that really emerged and jumped out in your eyes? You've got to start out with Noah Fant. Um, Noah, to me, uh, saw him, you know, height and weigh in. Probably not going to be as heavy as, you know, what you want to have as far as a Division One defensive end recruit is concerned. But we knew this coming in. You know, this is a guy that's also a, a, a state basketball player, a really top basketball player. He's going to play AAU basketball this summer. Uh, so he's not going to be at that 225, 235 range that, you know, he probably needs to be at when he comes up to Lincoln. But, you know, a little light, but his quickness – uh, was amazing. He was getting uh, he was getting underneath underneath the skins of guys that were 300 plus pounds. You know, 100 give up 100 pounds of these guys and beating them off the edge. And then we turn around and we're watching. You know, we're we're, we're watching all these Griffith and, and the other guys, Isaiah Simmons, and all of a sudden Noah Fant's running tight end routes, and he goes over there and he doubles this thing, and he looked good doing that too. I mean, he really is a true dual threat. He's a great athlete. Uh, great kid. Um, one of those guys I think that Nebraska really has to close out and hope, you know, that he's, with this Vanderbilt visit coming up, that he doesn't get persuaded to go ahead and leave the state. Um, I think beyond that, Josh Clayton was a guy that you and I talked about on the way over here. And uh, this is a guy that's recovering from a shoulder surgery. He was working out with the linebackers because 
he couldn't go and give it. Jacob Matthews. Jacob Matthews. What am I talking about? Jacob Matthews. So, my bad. Um, start talking about him and uh, has a labrum tear, gets a labrum tear done, and he cannot work the, de- the defensive line drills one-on-one. So he goes over and does linebacking drills. And as I'm, as I'm watching him, I'm going, man, he really does move. And he's, and he's, a, he's a bigger guy. You know, he's 230-plus. Uh, he's never worked in solid six three. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that realistically, you look at the guy and you go, "You're going to be playing with your hand in the dirt at the next level." Uh, but the fact that you can do this in a two point, it, it really was impressive. You can see him in a zone blitzing scheme, not having to come off the field in third down. Uh, really moved well. I was impressed with him uh, quite a bit. So Fant, uh, obviously, though, was was a guy that you know, as soon as you saw him, you're like, wow, that, that, that kid can really move. And, you know, some of these Kansas City guys that were here from the, the KC area and in, in Missouri in general, uh, it, it's just a, a talent-rich state. And, mm-hmm. and I think we all got to see that firsthand at the camp here in O'Fallon. I thought, you know, two guys that I wanted to see from Missouri, uh, Jimon Colbert, uh, who just picked up a Nebraska offer, 2017 kid. He really looked good today, uh, and Javon McQuitty, uh, two guys that we talked about again coming over here on, on the on the ride back to the airport. Um, just guys that I felt like Nebraska had done the due diligence uh, in getting through the the evaluation process even early. Like let's talk January, when they were really down here trying to sew up the 20, 2015 class. They're looking ahead 2016. They're looking ahead even 2017. These offers get out there. I mean, this is Colbert. I think this is his second offer. Doesn't he have Iowa? in Nebraska, yep. and, and I, I don't know if McQuitty even had another offer. I think at least Nebraska was the first one. So um, I, I feel like Nebraska's really done their homework because those two guys looked really, really good today. And, and, again, it's one of those things about the the show-me state. They really have a lot of talent here in the state. Well, then you had Xavier Kelly from Wichita, Kansas, Isaiah Simmons from Olathe, Kansas, two quote-unquote 500-mile radius guys that could be four-star players when it's all said and done. I think that they're easily four-star players. I mean – those were the two guys to me, along with the offensive tackle from K- Kentucky, that would be like on the uh, the eyeball test. When as soon as they were stepping off the bus, they're like, "Oh my goodness, these guys really look the part." Um, you know, Kelly is really is really put together. Uh, quickness is there. He's special. He's got some great moves. He's a he's a single he's a single pass rush move guy, but he's got a second move and he's strong and he's he's strong and he's fast. The funny thing about Simmons was, and again, we talked about this as well. He's six foot four as a safety. He's not done growing. He's such a fluid athlete. It's really funny because I could see him doing, I see him getting to six foot five and maybe potentially having to move the other side of the football and play the X position. Or linebacker. Yeah, or linebacker. He could move up and play buck. Uh, the thing about him, though, is too, is like everything is so effortless. You see him on, fa- on on his face, and he's just sitting there, and he's just running with these guys, and he's and he's and he's weaving, and he's doing the vine. State champion, a long jump. Yeah, and, and he's and he's just he's able to go out there and just lock up the receiver and just go, okay, I'm going to hold you down. And it could be it could be a tight end, it could be a real true X, or it could be a slot guy. He didn't care. He's just up there not locking him down. Uh, so those are two. I really felt like two big targets for Nebraska that they've really got to try to get in the 2016 class. Well, Brian, it was great to have you in St. Louis, and I speak for everyone with Rivals. We're excited to have you on board uh, working not only with Rivals.com, but also uh, being a contributor uh, on HuskerOnline.com and the Red Sea Scrolls uh, message board. I'm excited to be here. I I really do appreciate you guys bringing me down here. I look forward to being part of that and uh, adding to already a great product you guys have. We come back here on the AHL podcast. We'll continue our special edition here from the RCS camp in St. Louis.
You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast and our special edition from O'Fallon, Illinois at the RCS St. Louis event. And we're pleased to be joined by Rivals' lead, and I say that nicely, lead <laughs> national recruiting expert, Mike Farrell. Mike, first of all, great camp out here um, in St. Louis in the O'Fallon area. And this is kind of one of those areas in recruiting that some guys can emerge maybe that you didn't know about because for whatever reason, these states that kind of represent this camp don't get maybe the exposure of the SEC and the ACC parts of the country. Right, you know, and that's why it's good to have a camp here, you know, we try to do it, you know, we've done it every other year. Um, logistically, it's always difficult to, you know, include it every year, but, you know, you do get to see kids this year. Obviously, we've had a lot of kids come up from Tennessee, um, some from Mississippi, uh, but a lot of the Midwest kids, Kansas, Missouri, and you're starting to see, obviously, in the NFL draft, you know, a lot of these guys are getting drafted, um, and they're just not getting the exposure out of high school that they that the other kids get. And that, that makes a difference, obviously. And some of those guys that have already jumped out from those states you mentioned, Xavier Kelly, defensive end out of Wichita, and maybe about two months ago, nobody in the recruiting world knew who this kid is. Uh, now, um, you know, he's no longer a Kansas State commit. He's opened things up and um, on the verge of maybe being a four-star. Yeah, he, um, you know, he checked in at 6'5", 241. He's got long arms. You know, he got better as the camp went on. Uh, he struggled a little bit early, uh, you know, exposed himself, got high, uh, made himself a big target. But then he started playing a little bit, little bit lower and a little bit more sudden. Um, you know, uh, what he needs to do is inside out a little bit more. Um, he's not an outside guy. He, he does that inside move quite a bit. Uh, it works um, once he uses his hands. If he doesn't use his hands, he exposes himself a little bit. And, and if you get your hands on him, you can move him around. So he's raw, but he's the type of kid that, you know, again, watching the draft so carefully for the last few years and especially this year, <clears throat> you just don't know. You have no idea right now if we're looking at Xavier Kelly, first-round draft pick, you know, whether he goes to, you know, Mizzou or whatever other school in Nebraska, wherever he goes, you just don't know because he's got the physical tools right now. Um, but I think he has improved his stock quite a bit. Another guy, Isaiah Simmons, you know, he's somebody uh, from Olathe North, state champion a year ago in the long jump. He's a 23-foot long jumper, but you don't see a lot of 6'3 defensive backs. I mean, he could easily be a linebacker or, or move to a number of positions. Well, what's jumped out to you about this kid who hasn't even visited a single school, and he, I think he has over 10 offers? Yeah, the thing with um, college football and the NFL especially Versatility is extremely important. Um, you, you see guys getting drafted that can play safety or cornerback. You know, they, they, a lot of them, you know, project as a corner coming out, uh, can move to safety or grow into a linebacker. Shaq Thompson, I think, is a terrific example of that. <clears throat> you know, the Carolina Panthers don't know what to do with him, but they know they had to have him because he's such an amazing athlete. And, and those guys that are so tall that learn to cover as a corner early, they may outgrow the position, um, but if you can, if you could backpedal, if you have balance, um, if you could learn to play low out of your stance, um, you know, and not flip your hips too soon, uh, but know when to flip them like this kid does, you know, it's going to help you whether you end up as a linebacker or a safety regardless. So I think versatility, Florida State is the champion of that when you're talking about versatility at the defensive back position. You know, they got guys like Jalen Ramsey, who was a shutdown cornerback for us out of high school, playing safety. He'll eventually move into that cornerback role and be a first rounder. Um, so, you know, this is the type of kid that has a head start with that size playing a defensive back position. 
joined by Mike Farrell here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're in O'Fallon, Illinois at the RCS uh, St. Louis event. And, you know, you talked about linebackers. One of the linebackers, Nebraska, is high on, and uh, they were one of the first to offer. Now uh, he's received several offers as JoJo Doman out of Colorado. He was the Colorado Defensive Player of the Year a year ago. Says he's waiting on Michigan and Stanford. After that, he's kind of ready to make a decision. I mean, what do you like about JoJo, and, and what have you seen from him here at the camp? You know, it's another one where, um, you know, you don't get a lot of exposure coming out of Colorado. And, and being in those <clears throat> Rocky Mountain states, you know, camps are, are they're not uh, abundant. So you, you get to come out here and show what you can do. And, and I think get better and compete. You know, he's, he's a six foot one kid. He, he's not the tallest or longest linebacker in the world. And, you know, a camp setting isn't the, isn't the best for a kid like that because he's a downhill guy on film. He's a guy that um, really is... <clears throat> You know, a guy taking great angles, getting to the football, and arriving with a thump. Um, but he's working on his coverage skills at this camp, and I think that's only going to help him. So, you know, not sure where he ends up. You know, obviously, why commit if you're waiting on certain offers? Uh, but, you know, uh, the thing with it is he's certainly one of the better linebackers that we have out here. Mike, and then for Nebraska kids, this is a big camp as well. Uh, 13 of the top players from Nebraska here in St. Louis, both for 17 and 18. Uh, Nebraska's offered one of these guys, and Noah Fant, a defensive end out of Omaha South. Uh, came in a little light at 209, needs to get bigger. Uh, but what did you see from him uh, today at defensive end? You know, an interesting kid. You know, he is 6'5". He's very <clears throat> angular, very tall, and very light. Um you know, he was a guy that if he beat you with his first step, he was successful. If you got your hands on him, you moved him to where you wanted him to, to be. But, you know, overall, he won more reps than he lost, without a doubt. A little bit more physical than I expected for a 209-pound guy. He mixed it up pretty good there. You know, when somebody did try to move him, he didn't just give up or, or uh, you know, just get ridden out of the play or washed across the line. He fought. Um, he had counter moves. Um, you know, I don't know what position he is. I think, you know, at 6'5", 209 pounds as a high schooler, you know, he could very well end up being one of those weak side pass rushers, 6'5", 240 pounds. Um, or he could, you know, be a, a, a situational guy. He could be stand up and then put his hand down on third down. So those guys are becoming more and more popular as well. Uh, the hybrid guys that can play linebacker and defensive end. And that's kind of what he looks like to me. I don't know how he can cover. He doesn't. He looks a little stiff. So I'd say he's going to have to be a weak side, a weak side defensive end. And as we're at a camp here, Mike, i got to ask you about satellite camps. Nebraska is going to do their own. Uh, right now they're going to do five or six over the course of a week, all the way from L.A. to Miami. Um, and it, this has become the hot-button deal. Mike Riley's been doing them before anybody else. Everyone talked about James Franklin. Well, Mike Riley's been doing these for about four or five years from Oregon State. Uh, what are your thoughts on the SAT camps? And is it just much to do about nothing, these SEC coaches getting this upset about it? Well, they don't – they don't want people coming into their territory. They don't want people coming in and recruiting their kids and, and getting those extra evaluations. And, uh, you know, I think it's fine. I mean, there's, there's a geographical imbalance. There's an academic imbalance across college football. There are some schools that can't offer certain kids due to academics. There are some schools like Nebraska that don't have a tremendous recruiting territory, um, you know, bordering their state or in their state. So they have to go out there elsewhere. Oregon State, where Mike Riley was, was the same situation. They're in the corner of the country. So they have to get down into California, and now he has to get out to other places. So I think it's good. I don't have a problem with it. I know the SEC wants to shut it down because they're, you know, per se not allowed to do it, but they don't have to do it. I mean, they're, they, everybody's 
within driving distance of hundreds of four-star prospects pretty much in the SEC. So I really don't feel sorry for them. Um, and I think the satellite camps will make recruiting on a national level much more interesting. And last question before I let you go, Mike. What, what have you seen from Mike Riley and his staff? They've had you know the evaluation period and, and last January to kind of make their mark. Just from your seat in Connecticut in the national chair at Rivals, what's jumped out to you about how they've recruited? Well, I like Mike Riley, and it, you know when he got hired, I was one of the few guys who liked the hire. You know, I, I think I went on your board, and you know a few people agreed with me, and a lot of people said this is a horrible hire. What, what kind of move is this? Um, I think it was time for a change. <clears throat> I think this guy is the right fit. He's a tremendous talent evaluator. He's a very, very good personality. Uh, he's an extremely good recruiter because he knows how to recruit at that level. And, and by that, at that level, I mean he knows how to recruit parents and uncles and brothers and, and family members in addition to the recruit. So the efforts of Nebraska, I think, are a little less direct. Um, you know, under Pelini, it was, you want to play here or not? And, you know, that wasn't the case for everything, but they didn't chase kids as far as I thought they needed to chase them. Um, and that's just, I think, Bo Pelini's style, and I think it's his... Uh, personality and I think Mike Riley's personality is much more patient um, and it's much more conducive to today's recruiting world because we li are living in a kiss butt society that's just the way recruiting has become you have to you have to treat them like they're the greatest in the world you have to tell them how great they are you have to you know t you have to tuck them into bed at night whatever you need to do uh, you know you need to do to make sure that these kids come to your school and you got to recruit them until the end whether they're committed or not and I think he's going to stick in there I think he's going to be a guy who finds three stars that play like fours um, is Nebraska going to be better than they were under Pelini that's hard I mean listen the the, the days of national championships you know back-to-back -back national championships when recruiting was not national for all schools and camps weren't available and, and evaluation tools were lesser those are over um, Nebraska's up against it geographically and I think Mike Riley is the type of guy that at least can recruit more nationally and with national recruiting that's what Urban Meyer did I'm not saying they're gonna be Ohio State win a national championship but Urban Meyer came to the Big Ten and he said I cannot win with Big Ten recruits I have to go into the southeast. I have to go out to California and to Texas. Did it, won a national championship, and that's what they need to do at Nebraska. Mike, thanks again for joining us. It's always great seeing you. They love you on the Red Sea Scroll, so <laughs> don't be a stranger. Pop in, say hello sometime. Absolutely. You know, the Kendall Bussey thing was probably the last time, other than Mike Riley's hire, hire that I went over there, and that was a nightmare. So, uh, you know, obviously they're, they're a very rabid, passionate fan group, and I love that. I've been around forever. You know, uh, I'll take all the abuse I can from that place. I have no problem. Uh, you know, it, it's so much fun being on those boards. Rivals.com national analyst Mike Farrell, thanks again. All right, thank you. And we'll be back with more here from the RCS camp in St. Louis at O'Fallon, Illinois, next here on the HOL Podcast. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Back here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast and our special edition from the Rivals Camp Series event in O'Fallon, Illinois, just outside St. Louis. And pleased to be joined by uh, the Big Ten Network's lead analyst, Howard Griffin, also a former Illinois player. But, Howard, you're not here for BTN business. You're, you're here for uh, dad business. Yeah, you know, my son's a 2018 uh, defensive back, Houston Griffith. And, you know, 
I think part of it is giving him an opportunity to see, you know, the other talent that's that's around the country. So this gives him a great opportunity. This is a well done camp. So I'm glad he had an opportunity to come down. Yeah, and as a 2018 kid, you don't see a lot of guys that young, number one, that get invited, and number two, that come to these types of things um, because they're just not physically ready. Was it kind of something that you debated? Like, is he ready for something like this, or did you kind of have an idea he could handle it? You know, I kind of felt like he could handle it. Last year, um, we did another camp, uh, Sound Mind, Sound Body, in Detroit, which is a, you know a high-end camp with some really talented kids in it, and he held his own there. But it's also about exposure. I think kids have to get an opportunity to get out and realize that, you know, when you think you're pretty good, you're, you're really not that good when you see the other talent that's around. There are a lot of kids out here that are working hard and want to go to college for free and have aspirations of playing on Sundays as well. And a camp like this, you get an opportunity to see some of those type of players. Who are the teams? And I know the contact can be limited uh, for his age level, but he's already received some offers. Who who has offered him already at this point in the process? Uh, Illinois offered him already. Uh, Notre Dame, I think, is right there on the fence. They're going to be pretty close. Indiana, uh, I think, is another team. So I think this is a big summer for him. Uh, it's interesting for him because he plays quarterback for his high school. They run the Vera offense, but you know he's probably going to be a DB in, in college, whether it's a safety or corner. But, you know, it's, it's just fun to get him that opportunity to get the experience. There are a lot of coaches showing interest, and you just want to see him develop. And I think for me, you know, I really don't know how good he can be. I know the, you know, the sky's the limit. How good he is right now, I don't know. It's kind of tough being a dad from that perspective. But I just, you know, allow him to go out and just be coached by these other coaches. What now? You, when you were coming out of high school, obviously they didn't have things like this. What, what impresses you just about these events? And there's no combine testing. It's just football drills when, it, when you watch this type of an event. Yeah, so when I come to events like this, to me, first thing I, I want to pay attention to is organization. And this is well run. The organization, the kids get, come in and get in line. Uh, then how the coaches are interacting with the kids. They're always coaching, always teaching. There's not a lot of time where kids are just sitting around doing nothing. So they're always being coached. So those are the important things when I look at camps or even practices for that matter. I just want to see the organization and how the kids are interacting with the coaches. We're here with Howard Griffin of the Big Ten Network at the Rivals.com Camp Series event in O'Fallon, Illinois, joining us here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Now, as far as other things you're going to do this summer, you guys are going to get out and do a lot more events. I'm sure you've talked to so many coaches and your, your job with the BTN, uh, you've got a lot of different opinions and guys that you can lean on for advice on how to handle this summer. Yeah, you know what? I, I kind of you know kind of gauged it because you know his first commitments are, are to his high school, Mount Carmel High School, so in Chicago. So that's who he's committed to. Um, you know, he's got to focus on that, so he's not going to be skipping practice and workouts and those type of things to come to, to other events. So it's going to be a balancing act, but I think he's going to have an opportunity to get out and do at least a couple of camps so he can at least continue to, to grow as a defensive back. Then he'll really settle down and get back to playing quarterback again. Now, this spring, obviously, you've been able to get around and see pretty much all four. You made it all 14 all camps? All 14 schools, all 14. And just with Nebraska, first of all, the, the change of Mike Riley, you you and Coach Jerry Gennardo have had plenty of opportunities now to sit yeah. down and spend time. What have you noticed different about Nebraska when you've been around? Well, I think the reality is that, you know, I, I was a huge fan of Bo Pelini, but Bo off the field, you know, was hey, left a little bit to be desired, right? So I think those they are two dramatically different people uh, from that perspective, but both of them, I think, have outstanding minds. And I think when you think about Coach Riley, I mean, he, he's been around it. He understands what this game is all about. His offense can adapt uh, to whatever personnel he has, and I think that's the important thing. When he was originally hired, I think there was a lot of concern, well, it's going to be a passing offense. He doesn't necessarily have a quarterback that can throw it around. 
but he's been around all sorts of offenses and has a, a great feel for those. So I, I think Husker fans can can take that and be comforted by the fact that he's going to run the offense that best suits the players that are currently on this roster. And as he continues to recruit uh, different kids to, to maybe open that offense up and throw it a little bit more, um, you know, he'll be able to do that. But I still expect to see a high dosage of the I-back getting the ball this year. Do you have an idea just from what you saw this spring? I mean, do you think Nebraska is more by committee this year, or do you think one of those four or five backs they have can emerge? I think without a doubt it's by committee. Um, you know, you think about Amir Abdullah, and you think about not what he did off the field, because he was a, I mean, he was a superstar off the field, but you think about on the field as well, how many times he willed that team to win, and you think about when he got hurt. You know, that offense was not playing at the same level. But they have some backs there that can, can make things happen. But those guys don't have the same skill set, I think, that Amir Adula has. And until they find another one, if you can, it's by committee. And there's nothing at all wrong with that. I think there are enough carries for two backs. And I think the guys will get an opportunity. And, and Cross is, you know, he's a physical guy. So I don't know if people will really want to see a healthy Cross come to third and the fourth quarter of the game. We're joined by the BTN's Howard Griffin here on the HuskerOnline.com podcast. We're talking Nebraska, Big Ten spring storylines here. And when you look at the, the West Division, Howard, everybody, I think, just kind of assumes Wisconsin is the team to beat. Uh, but they've lost a lot of guys. They've got a new coach as well. Um, do, you, do you think the, the preseason rankings on them, do you think they're on par or do you think they're a little high at this point? Well, they're, they're probably a little high. I think you look at – you know, they don't necessarily have that dominant wide receiver there. And I think when you when when I look at the Badgers, I'm waiting for them to, to have not just one guy, but have several guys at the wide receiver position that can make plays. Uh, obviously, you know that they can run the ball. One of, even when he was a backup to Gordon, he was still one of the best backs in the conference. So I think you're still going to have a, a big dose of the run game with them. That's who they are. That's traditionally who they are. But you know, with Coach Chris, he wants to throw the ball around as well. You can go back and, and think about when Russell Wilson was there, when that offense was really humming, when you have a quality quarterback that understands how to protect the football and, and make all the plays and can move around in the pocket, that gives them an opportunity. So I, I think they, they deserve to be right there, but Nebraska's right there as well. I think you look at, to me, they still have probably the two best defensive tackles, you know, in the conference. I mean, they have guys that can get after it, and that's going to, you know, always cause problems when you can have a guy that can rush and rush the pass and stop the run from inside. And for a team like Nebraska, you look at the West Division. How, I mean, you look at the road to the college football playoff first. Yeah. got to win a championship Absolutely. game. And Nebraska or Wisconsin have a pretty clear road every year. Every year they have the opportunity to get there. And, and so it comes down to what, being able to play outstanding defense. You know, so much was made about Wisconsin, what they were able to do defensively. Uh, from what they lost, you know, two years ago now, but they still, for the most of the year, were I think a top ten defense. But when it came down to playing an Ohio State, which really I think speaks volumes to where Ohio State is, they're so far ahead of everyone else. You know, they got fifty scored on them. But you know, I think, you know, it's still going to be a struggle. But I think both teams, the Badgers and the Cornhuskers, have a great opportunity to be there. They just need to get into the game and then let the chips fall where they may. You mentioned Ohio State. You obviously talk to a lot more people tied into Columbus than, than most of our listeners do. What do you think shakes out at that quarterback race? Is it going to be a multi-quarterback situation? <laughs> I mean, how, Tim Beck moves into maybe one of the toughest yeah. jobs in college football. I don't know if he moved into a tough job. That, that's a great a job. A great job. I mean, I mean a, a tough decision it's, it's, to make yeah, one. And listen, at the end of the day, he's not going to be the one that has to make that decision. That's going to come from the big guy down the hallway. He just got the contract extension in Urban Meyer. So it's going to be tough. I, you know, Right now, Jones got all the reps in the spring. 
when I was there in the spring, uh, Barrett did have an opportunity to run a two-minute offense. He really hadn't, no one had really seen him throw, but he didn't miss a beat. But Jones is so physically talented and gifted. It's hard to believe what that offense would look like if he had a whole year to run it. But I think Barrett might be the might be the best guy for it. You saw what he did last year. And listen, we we've, we've talked about two guys, and we haven't. I haven't even mentioned the former Braxton, Big Ten Player of the Year, right? Braxton Miller, who spent some time at the uh, as a Heisman finalist as well. Look, I don't know. I haven't seen him throw. I don't know how the shoulder is going to work out. But this, I, I'm absolutely sure about. He's still one of the top three athletes on that on that team. So, if it's not quarterback and it's something else. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's going to be okay. And Urban Meyer's creative. He'll he'll find a way to make this work. Think about this. Uh, you know, he, he's got those three. He was able to add another two in recruiting. So it's an embarrassment of riches. And, and when I tell people that this team is deep, the only team they're not really that deep at is, is the running back position. When you, when you talk about the depth of that team, but. That's an, an elite team that has a lot of depth, and you can go back and look at the draft that just ended. No first-rounders, and you think a team that won a national championship didn't have any first-rounders. That's going to be a little bit different next year when you, when you have Elliott coming up and Joey Bosa. Both of those guys could legitimately be top-five picks. Yeah, Elliott's a top-three-rounder for sure. Oh, no question about it. He's an unbelievable talent. And remember, he played hurt with the wrist all year. Reminds me of a Lawrence Phillips in some ways, the way he runs. I mean, he is perfect for that offense, and – you know, when Ehrman first got there, he talked about having that inside A-gap presence. And, you know, it's a different than the sprayer where guys are always trying to get to the edges. He's coming downhill and coming right at you. And, and I think, you know, Coach Warner did a tremendous job, who's now the offensive coordinator, co-offensive coordinator, will be calling the plays this year. Really did a great job with that offensive line. I mean, that is a talented group. And I've had some ch- opportunities of sitting in his room. And when I walk, sit in his room and walk around his room, it's like being in a classroom, a high school classroom, with all of the things that are around. It's a really, really a solid learning environment, and I see why they were able to have so much success. Well, Howard, thanks for joining us here. It's been fun seeing you, and we enjoy following your work on the Big Ten Network every week of the season. Hey, thanks a lot. Look forward to for the season to get going. But a little downtime first. Downtime's good for all of us. It's good for our wives and our families <laughs> as well. Absolutely. So. It's a good thing. Well, you're listening to the HuskerOnline.com podcast. More here from the RCS camp in St. Louis when we return. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the final segment of the HuskerOnline.com podcast as we put a wrap on the special edition of the show Uh, Talking about recruiting, it's been a really busy week for Nebraska, uh, landing two commitments. Then earlier this week, as you've heard all throughout the show, uh, this past weekend was the RCS camp in O'Fallon, Illinois, just outside of St. Louis. We've heard already from the newest edition of our HL team, Brian Munson. The BTN's Howard Griffin as well has joined us. And then uh, Rivals.com national expert Mike Farrell. But we're going to bring back our own guys here from Husker Online. Uh, Nate Klaus comes back into the program. Then our video producer, longtime Uh, analysts with rivals as well Greg Peterson and they were both out in St. Louis here with the team as well guys and uh, I'll start with you first here Nate a number of in-state kids uh, showed up out in St. Louis 13 of really the top 14 kids I mean the only guy that didn't really make it that we wanted there was Jared Bubak but um, a very good representation top to bottom as far as Nebraska talent goes 
Yeah, absolutely. You have the best, uh, you know, the best of the best of the state essentially down there. And, you know, 90% of those guys already hold offers, which is uh, uh, something that is exciting to see that a lot of Nebraska kids have, have already earned, you know, some early offers. And uh, certainly after watching these guys, uh, there's going to be more offers coming down the road. Uh, I'm extremely impressed with a number of guys, especially, uh, you know, Noah Fant obviously is, is the most highly recruited guy in the state. Um, eight or nine offers now, obviously that Nebraska offered looms large uh, and he showed why he has uh, all those offers this weekend uh, extremely quick off the ball maybe the quickest defensive end first off. step yeah the first step I mean at the entire camp and and there was a, a really good collection of defensive line talent at the camp especially at the that the defensive end position so uh, he was extremely impressive a guy like Ben Stilley just picked up an, an uh, offer from Iowa uh, actually on his way to the camp uh, showed why uh, he has some, some early offers too and is, is popping up on everyone's radar you know and he's a tremendously talented kid 6'4 230 pound guy uh, very quick athletic and you can just tell by watching him that, that his best days are ahead of him uh, but uh, you know uh, David Engelhop who really wasn't on isn't on too many people's radars out of Norfolk Catholic. Um, he and it's really, hard to figure out why. Yeah, it's hard to figure out why, especially after seeing him in this setting. You know, he was the, maybe the linebacker is the most difficult position at a camp like this, and um, you know, facing some top running backs uh, in space. David Engelhopped at, at nearly six four, two hundred twenty pounds, uh, extremely athletic kid. Greg, how about you? When you you know, in your perspective, uh, with the camera on and watching these guys very closely through a lens, going back watching the film another time what's really what jumped out to you about the kids that were there from nebraska well first off uh, just like nate said no offense <clears throat> what he jumped out he won every single rep except for one and i talked to noah afterwards and he agreed with that i was kind of saying i was surprised that you didn't make the the premiere round and he was too but then you know what he did he turned around and went and worked out at tight end and excelled out there too in one-on-ones um, a couple guys Nate didn't mention, um, Josh Manjikaya, Papillion La Vista South, had a really strong day out there in one-on-ones. <clears throat> he uh, was going up a lot against Cade Johnson from Bellevue West. Um, they had kind of a little running uh, competition going there. Kind of a Sarpy there. County battle. Yeah, there. yeah. but uh, I think that came out even at the end. Um I even I mentioned to Nate during the camp too. Um, you know, we've seen Cade Johnson, we've seen his older brother CJ. Both of them excel at the camp. They run great routes and stuff, but all of a sudden they stop catching the ball sometimes during one on ones. Um, not really sure what's going on with uh, with that family. I don't know if it's <laughs> if it's nerves or adrenaline or what, but every now and then they drop some easy balls and and then they'll make a tremendous catch on a difficult pass. So it's kind of hard to figure out. But uh, both great players. But one thing for sure, though, when the pads are on, they make those catches. Um, another kid that really stands out to me, um, an underclassman, Noah Vedrill at quarterback. Actually had a nice camp. Um, at certain times, though, coaches had told him that uh, he's just not throwing the ball hard enough. And uh, his dad, Mike, was also talking about that. He didn't know what was going on. Uh, I think Noah might have just been trying to, you know, get the touch on the ball. And, and There's just a lot of pressure on these guys. Oh, right, right. Well, just a few minutes left here in the show, but a number of other 500-mile radius key Husker targets there. I'm just going to go through them all, Nate and Greg, and I'm going to let you guys share your thoughts. Uh, Colorado linebacker Jojo Dolman, um, who played with Avery Anderson last year, was the linebacker MVP. Xavier Kelly, a defensive end out of Wichita, who's a high, high target for Nebraska right now. Isaiah Simmons, a defensive back out of Olathe North, another big-time target. Javon McQuitty, an underclassman receiver from Columbia. 
Tevin Jenkins, uh, offensive lineman at Topeka, was there. And then you had uh, the Jimon the Colbert uh, as well, another underclassman offer for Nebraska, Nate. So um, a number of key, key targets there besides the in-state guys. Absolutely. Uh, maybe the most important or impressive performance of the day was Jojo Doman, in my opinion. Uh, you would look at him. He's 6'1", you know, almost 210 pounds, not the most physically imposing guy, but he is just a straight-out football player. Uh, his instincts and, and athleticism are, are tremendous. And I've seen him in person now three times, and, and there really isn't anything he can't do on the field. He took home uh, – he won pretty much every single rep and, and took home the linebacker MVP, uh, Xavier Kelly, out of uh, Wichita East, as he's mentioned. 28-plus uh, offers. Uh, everybody in the country wants this kid. He's 6'5", 235 pounds, and, and he's very high on Nebraska. Nebraska is very high on him, and he'll be coming back up in, in June with his dad, which is a good sign. Big for, visit. Yeah, yeah, big, big visit for the Huskers, uh, uh, getting both him and his dad on campus once again. Um, you know, and, and uh, Javon McQuitty is a guy who actually was ranked as the top underclassman performer at the entire camp. You know, 6'1", 6'2", 190-pound receiver. And Nebraska was the very first team to identify and offer him. And he's since picked up an offer from Kansas. I think that uh, that, that Missouri offer kind of uh, will, will be on its way, I think. Um, Dejaiman Colbert, another underclassman that was impressive at corner. Um, you know, and, and maybe Isaiah Simmons physically maybe was the biggest freak out there. I mean, 6'3", 250 State pounds. champ long jump. Yeah, I mean, his arms, uh, noticeably long arms, um, you know, plays safety, but I think that he's definitely a linebacker on the next level, and he could be a special one at that. Greg, we have just about a minute left. Uh, just share some of your thoughts on those guys. Uh, I know Dolman – Obviously, as Nate said, he, he was a guy that stood out. But uh, from your perspective, who jumped out? Well, absolutely. Jo- Jojo Doman is that guy. He he won the linebacker MVP. Um, Xavier Kelly, you know, what else can you say? He just looks the part. Um, Isaiah Simmons, like Nate said, I mean, I, I, just, I mentioned to Nate before the camp, I was like, look at how long that kid's arms are. It's I like, mean, how he's is he a defensive back? You I know? have no idea. Um, one guy uh, we didn't really talk too much about, Tevin Jenkins on the offensive line, um, had a pretty solid day. He's a guy that's visited Nebraska. He was up the week before the spring game and uh, hopes to come back down in Nebraska. So, you know, Huskers making some inroads here on these uh, kids in the 500-mile radius. Well, guys, it was a great weekend down in St. Louis. I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's one of my favorite events of the year. Just no doubt. Uh, getting the chance. We're spoiled, I say, to see all those Nebraska kids in one place and the key targets. And you think about the last three years, the players we've been able to see at the regional events for the rivals camps that have gone on all be Huskers and uh, big name guys. So uh, thanks again, guys, for making the trip down with us this weekend in St. Louis and uh, being on the show. Always fun. All right. And special thanks again to our latest member of the staff, Brian Munson, Mike Farrell, and Howard Griffin for joining us here today. That signs it off here for another edition of the HuskerOnline.com podcast. Thanks again for joining us this week on HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics.